welcome to the Football Hipsters podcast, uh, the individual editions. Um, I called Drew, I called Drew my co-collaborator in our last recording, which uh, you may well have heard by the time this one goes out. So uh, that's what I'm going to call all of my podcast chums, my co-collaborators. Uh, and today I'm with Lana. How are you doing, Lana? You okay? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, change of hair colour for you. I'm sure everybody will like that. So looks good. Well, we'll have more fun. Apparently so. Apparently so. Um, and speaking of fun, we are we are going to talk about uh, the football that we still haven't seen. Um, we've covered kind of Bundesliga with Drew. So we wanted to have a chat to you today about all things Italian and French. Now, people are probably sat there thinking, why would you have French news? There's not going to be any more games. But there's been all sorts of drama in France. So we will come on to that later on. But we're, we're going to start in Italy. What's the latest, basically, to anyone who's just tuning into this who maybe doesn't follow Serie A closely, doesn't follow the Italian game, or indeed the uh, sort of Italian politics and situation with their government at the moment? What is your understanding of where things are in, in relation to the return of the Italian clubs to training and potentially playing matches again? Well, they were going to start training on May the 18th. That's been postponed, as far as I know. And the rumoured start of the you know resume the season was supposed to start on june 13th but that's now been postponed as well by the prime minister so we're still in a sort of a limbo we don't know anything uh to be honest uh, i know that all the clubs have been testing their players to see if someone's still sick and etc etc apparently they're doing uh three tests like one each day uh, just to make sure that it's the correct uh, result because there's been so many negative and positive readings on the tests uh, and a lot of mistakes have been done. So as of now, we are basically just waiting on confirmation when they can get back to training and when they can resume the season. What's your, what's your thoughts on it? Like from a standpoint of as a fan, are you comfortable and of course somebody who's experienced the disease i mean are you are you comfortable disease virus why did i say disease anyway same thing how are you, how do you feel like are you comfortable with the idea that that footballers and in particular seria players are going to be coming back especially in light of of how crippling it was in italy and how i talked to drew earlier on about the support base and how um how rampant the fan base is in germany it's very similar in the italian uh, the big, the big Italian clubs, the support base is huge. How, how do you even feel about the idea of it coming back at this stage? I think, judging from what I've read, people miss football. They miss it so much that someone like me who doesn't even like other leagues watch Bundesliga, and I fell asleep. I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, it was so boring. I cannot, for the life of me, understand why people watch it. But then again, people will say the same about Serie A and League One. But our prime minister said the goal is to get back to normal, to create some sort of stability and not stay in limbo and, you know, just being stuck. Because I feel a lot of people feel that way, that we've just basically been stuck. There is no going forward or anything. Like, we don't know what what will go on. What, uh, will there be a cure for the virus? Will there be a second, third wave? Will we ever be rid of this virus? It's like people have so little knowledge about this that, you know, you, you want to bring back something to just get, you know, back to familiar things like, you know, for instance, football. For me, watching, you know, people trying to, you know, make these decisions about bringing Serie A back when it's the one country which was so heavily affected where people are still dying and still getting the virus. I just don't see how it's wise to, you know, resume training. We, you know, we, we spoke about it, like last time Joe uh, touched up on it, that having players come into training and then, you know, taking them to another base where they have to be separated from their families. I mean, no one wants to do that, especially when you have no cure for this virus. You don't know how it will affect you as a footballer. And we've now seen studies where if you know, athletes are more at risk than a normal human being would be, you know, someone who's not training obsessively like they are. And say someone like Messi or Ronaldo, would they want to, you know, kick around a ball for 90 minutes, knowing very well that they might get the virus, go home and make all family members sick. So 
for me, I think it's just too soon to get back. I still feel that we should have waited. Again, you know, there's been some presidents in France who have said that we should have waited until like the mid of September to, you know, just to get finished with this wave. And then, you know, there's rumors about the second wave coming then that we would, you know, have more information, know what to do, be better prepared than we have been so far. So for me, it doesn't make sense to start the season. But then again, we've seen if we cancel it, the ramifications of it. So it's like, do we put it on hold, resume in September, finish it in December, and then just follow the calendar year up until the World Cup? Or what do we do? For me personally, I don't think any football, any sport should return until we have this under control, until we have more information on whether there's a cure for it, Will more people die? How many waves are coming? So, but you know, everyone has their own opinion on this situation. So it's very difficult to know what's the right answer and what's the wrong one. Mm. For me, this might be the right one. For you, you might have a totally different opinion than I do. So I guess it's just, do you think about yourself or do you think about getting sport back, I suppose? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how much how much pressure is there? I talked to Drew about the financial side of the Bundesliga and the TV deals and that. We a club that's obviously that you follow closely, Juventus. I mean, they they spent an awful lot of money in in Ronaldo's contract in particular. Um, they have this 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 deal with Jeep, which has funded a huge amount of that. They're under a lot of pressure to to pay bills, um, as I'm sure other clubs are. I look at the situation at AC Milan, um, and then the clubs that are they're fighting off, like a team like Lazio, who had the season of their lives, they, they would have, have made huge financial gain from that for their Champions League potential qualification. How much pressure is there in Italy to get the, 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 the sort of Serie A games back from a financial perspective, particularly those teams like Juve that are still in Europe as well? Huge. There is like Unfortunately, football is dictated by money. Uh, as sad as it is, money trumps the health of players. I mean, to be honest, we have to be realistic and we have to, you know, just put it out as it is and not sugarcoat it. Money is a huge aspect. And, you know, you have to pay the players, you have to pay everyone at the club. So, especially for, you know, a country like Italy where the finance isn't the best compared to other countries you need to get this back up and running to be able to you know be able to continue at the club because if you look at it from a long-term perspective some of these clubs might you know face uh, bankruptcy and not be able to continue and i think if we look at it from a bigger picture if you look into the finance of every club will they be able to survive this if it keeps on going. So I think the pressure is from a lot of clubs to resume, but will they resume at the cost of every, you know, at the cost of their players' health? That's the question, I suppose. Because, mm. you know, as you mentioned, Lazio, they're having the greatest season of their, you know, of their lives. And if you were to conclude the season now, they would finish second, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think they even have a game less played as well. Uh, but if you were to resume, who knows, they might go on to win the league. We mm. don't know. Because the way Juve's been playing, uh, last year they earned it. They deserve it because they've been so good. And they, you know, being potentially able to go on to play in the Champions League next season as well, that's huge. You know, that kind of money would do for a club like Lazio to be able to keep their players and invest even further uh, mm. going forward. Because they have, yeah, they don't have the same luxury as you mentioned someone like Juventus, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Uh, you know, by just by name, you would want to go there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was looking at the, the story of Atalanta as well. Like, I mean, they've they've had an amazing run in the Champions League, qualified beyond all like any chance anyone thought they had to get out the group. Even then, they go and beat yeah. demolish Valencia. I mean, the, the amount of money they could have made and, and they are probably now going to have to look at some of their players potentially being sold because of the situation they're in if they don't get back into Europe. What's been the... Obviously, Italy is a very, let's say, outspoken country in terms of 
um, owners of football teams, um, big personalities of football teams. Um, we know about certain presidents as well and, and their views. What, what's what been the thought process in terms of those, the, the, the presidents of those particular football teams or the, the bigger sides? How outspoken have they been? Um, and, and, and also, along with Messi, of course, you've got Ronaldo in Italy. Has there been a bit of a focus on on him and his kind of thought process? Because I imagine if a player of, of that stature said he wasn't comfortable playing, I imagine that would send shockwaves through. So how much of the, the Italian game is based upon players' opinion or how much of it is being dictated by the presidents and the, the owners of these clubs or the, the, the political side of the country? You know, I, I don't. I you've seen players being very outspoken about how they wouldn't want to play when it's so uncertain. We saw that with uh, what's his name, Troy Dini, Troy Dini yeah. or something. Sterling as yeah, well. he didn't want to come back. And who can blame him? You know, he has a kid at home who you know suffers with breathing and has you know serious uh, health issues. And then you know you have, you know, we touched upon Ronaldo who has what three little kids. He has a son. His mother just got out of the hospital with a heart attack. Do you want to put yourself in that situation where you know that if you play, you're more likely to get the virus and then affect those at home? So I think that players do have a lot of say, especially big names. If they all came together and was like, okay, fine, we get it. We understand uh, the financial aspect of it. But, you know, you can't force a player to play if they don't want to. And I think especially at Juventus that the, you know, Agnelli's been very, he listens to the players a lot. Uh, they, you know, Ronaldo was also key in having all the players, you know, lower their wages. So he knows how important this is. And I believe that if someone like him, Kalini Buffono, came out and said that it's too soon, I think that more players would follow from other clubs. I think also the presidents would come together because in the end, you all want them to be safe. Uh, you want to be able to come back, but come back when it's safe to come back. Uh, mm. And I think it hasn't been such a huge uproar about it compared to, you know, League One and the <laughs> presidents there about this. Uh, so I think it's been less uproar about it uh, than it would have been, I assume. Uh, so I'm surprised we haven't heard more from presidents yeah. about their feelings about players returning back to training, uh, you know, the league starting in a month. It's been a bit of more hush-hush, I uh, would say. Because uh, you, when you compare it to other leagues who you've been very unspoken about it, it's weird how quiet Serie A has been really yeah. about this. Yeah, I thought We haven't it. really heard so much about it. No, no, it's been quite weird. And, and bearing in mind, it, in a country where... You've had like the story of Napoli, where the players were essentially locked in the training room for or training ground for a, a period of time. You, you know about the previous scandals and God knows what. It's a country that usually is is very much front and center when stuff happens. There, things come out quickly in Italy, but it hasn't in this situation. How are the how are the fans dealing with it, and what's the the general fan culture? Because we know about particularly the ultras in in Italy. It's a very it's a very strong country in terms of the fan base and, and certain clubs have really passionate followings. If the game came back, could the fans be trusted? Maybe is the wrong word, but do, do you foresee a situation where certain ultras would still have meetups, would still have arranged um, planned uh, pilgrimages, I guess, to grounds um, to, to watch games or be outside stadium? Yeah, we saw that with PSG in the Champions League. I mean, it was an empty ground, but there was how many people outside the stadium? Yeah. And can you imagine the ultras in Italy taking no for an answer? No. Nope. Like, <laughs> I think there's more of a chance of finding me in an Inter shirt than it is of them, you know, staying home, watching the game on the TV. Uh, and they're so... Italians are very, very passionate. Uh, a bit scary how passionate they are uh but i don't see them you know just sitting at home with a bottle of beer and watching the game on tv they will be outside the stadium they will be supporting the players on uh because you know no fans are allowed uh, and 
I just don't see this slowing down anytime soon. And I don't think the ultras will be any uh, help going forward unless they really, you know, this have shooken them up so much that they're like, okay, fine, we'll go forward with the good example. We'll stay at home. Uh, let the team play. But you don't do you think, um, like from your point of view as well, obviously following Juve, but also being a Leon fan, um, with their their sort of scheduled game in the Champions League, we know that Leon had a one nil lead from that first game um, in in the Groupama Stadium. Do you think this benefits or hinders Juve in terms of their uh, because that there is there's still quite a lot of talk that regardless of what happens in Serie A, there is there's a clear. Um, uh, clear desire from UEFA to finish the Champions League and the Europa League campaigns, which you'd imagine means that Juventus would, would have to play Leon at some point in that second game. Does that benefit Juve, having had this long period of time, particularly knowing that Leon, their season's over, they're done, they're on the beach. Um, who does that benefit more, do you think, from, from that, that particular picture? No. I would probably, if, you know, the pie, it was rumored that the pie would be back for the summer. Yeah. If he is fit for that game, I would say probably it would benefit Leon more because you have to remember that you've had Dybala, you've had Rugani and Matuidi out with the virus. And it takes time to recover. I had it like in March, we're soon in June, and I, I still struggle. Uh, and I had it once, Dybala's had it three times in the space of 60 days. Can you imagine the physical and mental toll that's taken on him? I mean, unless you've had it, you don't know how that illness destroys you mentally because it's you think you're going to die. And unless you speak to someone about it, you just it eats up at you inside. So I think that it's going to be tough for both teams because none of them have really played in over two months um, and I don't think it will benefit them uh, one team more than the other probably if they get the pie back but you know there's a lot of talks about how UEFA you know sent out a letter recommending them that you know you conclude the league by this date and then France decided to cancel their league um, their season which, you know, caused a huge uproar. And now there's talks about how, you know, the league said, well, the UEFA told us to cancel, but UEFA only recommended it. And there's a lot of drama coming out that we should resume the league and start over, you know, start playing the games again, just so we actually have an advantage come in August. Because it's not only Lyon that will be at this advantage, it will be PSG as well, because none of them have played games. Who are they going to play? No one wants to play. Uh, I can't imagine how the players felt at the weekend playing in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and social distancing, how are you supposed to social distance against someone like Awad or, you know, Kylian Mbappe? And it's just ridiculous, the whole thing. I mean, you're not allowed to touch a person. You can't be with the person within a two, you know, two meters. And then you want that person to create goals, score goals, whatever, la, 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 and come back and play football. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the whole thing is just so pathetic. It's so stupid. It just angers me. Yeah. I said to Drew earlier on when we were speaking about the Bundesliga and, and we were talking about how how kind of soulless it felt and ha- just how much you realise that how much how big a part fans play in, in, in sport and, and in football in particular when it, you just, I couldn't get into it. And normally I would watch a, a Dortmund-Schalke game be quite into it. I, I, I couldn't adjust to it. And it almost felt like the players were, were a bit embarrassed sort of playing and they didn't really know what to do or how to react. Um and, and it, it just felt, it felt like Drew said, felt like a training ground game, you know, a training exercise. Yeah. It just didn't feel, feel normal to me. Um, you, you touched on There's the French more game. Noise at training. Sorry, go There's more noise at a preseason game yeah. than it is. I mean, at least you you've would... got atmosphere, you know. Yeah. It's mm. just like, I, I was telling my dad, this is how it sounds in all of, you know, the Premier League on a usual basis. <laughs> 
Yes. It's not even hard, but... Like Man City's ground, yeah, yeah, and all the jokes that go with it. Um, There will be no atmosphere in France, as you said, because they have vetoed uh, Liga and and Ligue 2, so the game has essentially finished in France as we speak. There's still a lot of fallout going on, and there's still a lot of legal wrangling. There's still a lot of of strong opinions being... A lot of drama, yes, yeah. That there's there's been some drama that has not necessarily been linked to this virus this week in terms of both Marseille and Lille. Um, Lille have lost their sporting director um, to it sounds like to Spurs. That's what it sounds like. Seems like a bit of a weird time for this to happen, given the fact that Lille had such a good season. Is there a bit more to it? The Campos departure. Is there more to it? and meets the eye or is it just a question of again money talks well it come it came as a huge shock like i was talking to a friend of mine i was like there's more drama outside football in league one right now than it is on the pitch mm-hmm. i mean there's never been so much entertainment as it is now and for once i'm so happy it's not revolving around leon but <laughs> it just came out of the blue because it was such a huge shock because he in my opinion he's probably the best sporting director in europe he's yeah. so good his eye for talent, I mean, his scouting systems and everything. And apparently Spurs offered him a huge, uh, gave him a huge offer, but he turned it down. So I don't know where he would want to go, but there's no information on why he decided to leave. Because as you said, Lil was doing so well and they have such an exciting team uh, this season as well. So it just came as a huge shock Uh but he's not the only sporting director leaving. Marseille uh, is losing theirs as well and their manager. So yeah, well, this like- is a this is a huge story, isn't it? Andre Villas-Boas essentially turning down the contract. And for all the people that have mocked him and said he wouldn't be a success, he, he turned Marseille completely around this season um, and, and had their fans believing that actually maybe they compete again. Um, he is still the manager of Marseille as we speak, but the, the discuss, all the talk is that isn't going to continue. Um, certain players are now saying they want out. Well, when yeah. Marseille are just, they just seem to be like that club that whenever things are going smoothly, they have to stick a firework in the exhaust, don't they? They, they can't seem to just carry on quietly. What, why has this all happened? Is there, is there a reason behind this this uh, and and Villas-Boas essentially said he wants to or he won't sign a contract because of what's gone on behind the scenes. Yeah, apparently there's a lot of because Marseille are in very huge financial uh, problems. They're they're about to go bankrupt if they don't sell a set amount of players. They're, they even had this issue like uh, a few years back when UEFA even threatened you know to pull them out of the Europa League, the Champions League, and everything, give them a whole transfer ban, and now they're back in this mess again where you know they have to probably sell players um and it's as you said it's like when they finally turn things around they just like everything everything comes crashing down and now you know with their sporting director about to leave we have we are both wanting to leave as well i don't was supposed to be a fairy tale starting next season is now just going to be a nightmare because mm. you know players want to gonna leave as well so what do you want to i mean where do you start yeah and those and those sellable assets that would have gone for probably quite big money before all this kicked off i mean you, you look at the likes of kamara at the the center back who's, who's had a, a brilliant season florian tovan has essentially said he's going nowhere and he would have been a sellable asset but he's decided he wants to stay and and essentially saying i'm not going to leave even if you try and sell me which never which even even though yes he could technically be forced out of the club like he was when he went to newcastle they're not going to get the valuation if the players said i don't want to go then they're not going to get the valuation they that they want from him. Uh, Kaleta Carr is another one that they might be able to sell on, but again, the profit is not huge. Morgan Sanson is being offered to every club in Europe, it seems like, at the moment. Beyond that, I mean, there isn't a huge amount there, really, is there, at Marseille? I mean, not in no. terms of players that big clubs would spend big money on. Not really. So... And they also one of their some of their fans are now making a joke about Leon missing out on the Champions League, so they have to sell their players. Mm-hmm. And they made this whole spreadsheet about which players they were going to sign from us. 
And I'm like, dude, you're broke. You have to sell your shitty players. How are you supposed to buy our players? So I'm like, it's like very, you know, it's not a good time for being a Marseille fan despite being in the Champions League. So I'm sort of happy the way things are going with Lyon. <laughs> Although we're not in the Champions League next summer. So we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely a, a tough one. What's the latest in terms of these clubs that have, um, or as far as you know, the, the clubs that, that made an active response to this, the season being called off? Obviously, we know Jean-Michel Olas is, is certainly not happy. Um, I believe Toulouse uh, submitted a, a legal legal challenge towards yeah. this this issue. Um, what's the latest in terms of that that legal side of things? Because there's... You, you've got to look at it and think they, they can't go on forever. I mean, my club, Lorient, have, have been promoted. They're they're already looking to plan for a season in Liga. You can't you can't suddenly then change your mind, surely. So I don't really see where these legal challenges are going to go unless it's financial payouts. Well, that's also another issue we'll touch upon. But Amiens has also joined yeah. the, the legal battle, and yeah, you're right. Where would you go because? We've never had this issue before, but if anyone can make a case for themselves and win, it's Jean-Michel Laulas. Hmm. And I think he has a fair shot, especially with the leaked information coming out about UEFA and not, you know, pressuring uh, League One to cancel, but just suggesting that this is the day we want you guys to finish, etc., etc. Now Aulas feels that, you know, he's been screwed over. And people always talk about how, you know, he likes to moan and stuff like that. But this is a man who only wants what's best for his club, which he would want any president to want. He genuinely cares so much about this club. And I don't see how him moaning about the fact that it's a disadvantage for Lyon and PSG to play in the Champions League when the season is cancelled. You know, Lyon could have probably secured uh, Europa plays uh, if they won the cup final, etc. It's all these things that come into play. And I think that, you know, if he br- brings it further and it's actually, you know, appealed and he might win, then there's a case of would Lorian even be, you know, promoted? Will they go back to resuming the season and then, you know, let everyone fight amongst themselves in the bottom who goes down and then who comes up from League 2 and you have this whole financial mess as well now because League One and League Two can't decide who, how much money is going to be, you know, uh, shared between them from the TV deals that have already been made. So it's basically a whole circus in France right now because no one can decide on anything. No one can come to an agreement about money, about how we're going to go move forward. And I'm just sitting here eating my popcorn and wondering, you know. <laughs> Who's gonna fall first? And then you have Monaco who has to sell like fifty players this summer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how do you come to this point where you have to sell so many players? It's it, it's an I'm so like so speechless that I can't even begin to think about it. I think the yeah. only positive news that's come out is that Patrick Vieira got his contract extended. Yeah, definitely. yeah. Didn't see that come in previously, certainly, but um exactly. The, the latest from La Parisienne um, in the last 24 hours is that they're demanding an explanation from the the uh, the, the sports minister, uh, Marancino, I believe is, is how you pronounce her name, um, but um, Roxana Marancino, I think that's how you pronounce it. But yeah, they've, they've essentially demanded a formal explanation as to why the, the termination was pushed through. Um, mm-hmm. and they, they're using that August 3rd date by UEFA as the recommendation for when the action should have, you know, should have been uh, been allowed to run n- until. So, but that's just, just seems to be an explanation, nothing more. Um, and that, like you said, I, I don't feel like, in terms of being a bit biased, I don't feel like they could take promotion off of Lorient or, or Lance or any of the other teams. I feel like they would have to say, fine, we won't have relegation. Uh, I think that would be the only fair way. And I think you would have to have awarded the... Um, the positions as they were. But like you say, this is not a situation where, particularly in, in Leon's case, where the season has been ended and they would have got into Europe. This is more a case of they wanted the opportunity because they felt they could still get into Europe. And that's where yeah. it can get awkward, isn't it? Because they now they're in a cup final against PSG. Yeah. Uh, Saint-Étienne is in a cup final. Yeah. They could get Europe. 
Yeah, so, with friends. As much as I despise Saint-Étienne, you have to be fair. I mean, yeah. I don't think anyone is questioning the fact that, you know, PSG must say Ren got the Champions League. But getting Europe is so much, you know, it's it's better than nothing. Yeah. Then you don't have to sell the pie. You don't have to sell Awar. You don't have to sell Dembele. You don't have to sell these players. You can, you know, uh, strengthen them, go a long road into the Europa League and then focus heavily on the league next season, get back in the Champions League. Hmm. Do you think it's weird but, how they've not mentioned cup competitions? Because I've noticed that in all of the countries, I mean, yeah. I appreciate like the FA Cup's probably the biggest one of, of Europe in terms of cup competitions and that hasn't even been discussed at all in England. But I get, I get the feeling like cup competitions have just been, well, they're just not going to finish and just swept under the rug. And it's like, it does seem a bit weird that if, if there was ever going to be um, a competition you could finish, surely the cup competition, particularly when Europe is, is at stake, and particularly when you've got, like you said, St Etienne in, in, in this case, it's just a final. It's a one-off game. If you were ever going to play yeah. one game, surely that's the game that you would prioritise and say, well, actually, there's something riding on these games. So if we're at the quarterfinal stage already, let's play the two quarterfinals. I mean, League Two in, in England had a similar situation with this where they've said the season ends, but playoffs will continue. Makes sense. You know, yeah. they've ended the season. Champions have been elected. Relegation is irrelevant. But we're still going to have playoffs to give those three or four teams an opportunity to still get promoted. Surely that would have been the way forward with the cup competitions in France. That was the idea that was pitched uh, in Serie A, where you would have the playoffs between, you know, Lazio, Juventus and Inter, uh, it, you know, just to determine who would get first, second and third. Yeah. Uh, in and I'm like, you can barely, you know, come to an agreement and on how you're going to decide on the league table. I can't imagine how you would want to come to an agreement on the cup finals. But if everyone already has a cup final, you know, finalist, I don't see the issue, to be honest. It makes more sense. It's less harmful to have that one game where you play. Fine, you can make it into a two-legged game for all that, you know, so you'd have one home uh, advantage and one you know away advantage or you can just keep it neutral it's not it's not rocket science i feel that they're making it more difficult than it should be uh if they really want to you know decide on who gets europa league who gets champions league who gets you know the different positions but how are you supposed to you know we're supposed to play champions league you know quarterfinals and semifinals in august and the season new season is supposed to start in september I yeah. mean, I'm like, logistically. How, 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 yeah. are, how are we supposed to make this, you know, it's not manageable. I just no. don't understand. No, no, that, that's that's my argument as well. I just, I don't see how you can plan for a new season when you don't even know how the current season has ended. It just doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. At least that's why I thought the, the, the French decision was the right one, because they just made the call. We're ending it. End of story. And, uh, okay, we've had these legal challenges and we've had this situation where things, you know, are being discussed, but it seems like that decision has been accepted and has been dealt with. We've seen Scotland do the same. The Netherlands did the same. Um, there's a lot of leagues that have just made these calls and that's it. Um, and I feel like it, if you, if you got all the clubs on side, there's no problem where there is a problem is when you've got clubs saying, actually, no, we're not happy with that decision um, and how on earth they're going to move forward with it. How do you think it affects a team um, like, for example, PSG is another good example to use. How does it affect a team like PSG who they finally got over that mountain? They finally beat Dortmund. They were into the Champions League quarterfinals. Arguably, if you look at the teams around Europe, um, Barcelona and Real Madrid haven't really blown anyone away this year. Bayern Munich were hugely improved under Hansi Flick, but we haven't seen them play anybody particularly of any note in terms of European games yet. Um, PSG would have probably looked at this Champions League and thought this was our opportunity. This, this the momentum was with us. We finally got over that that issue of getting past the, this stage. How does that affect their their plans or preparations? I mean, I think they're still talking about training, aren't they, and and still planning yeah. for Champions League games. But like you said, they they can't play anyone. So, I mean, how does that affect them and, and in terms of what they want to do moving forwards? 
him that's the issue because Nasser Khalifa said that well we'll play friendlies and I'm like mm. okay you stupid man who's gonna want to play you mm. no one like can you think like I'm thinking probably only solution is that he'll go play some Arabic teams at Qatar or Dubai or whatever just to mm. you know have the players play some games uh, but then what what if they go out to whoever they're meeting? I mean, there's they're at such a huge disadvantage, both them and Leon, because of, you know, the rush in making that decision to cancel the season. Because yeah. they, 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 they didn't have to. They could have been like, okay, it's on hold until we know more. And yeah. so we see what every other league does. We should have, you know, the president should have all come together. We need to find the solution. How are we going to do it? So, I mean, if you cancel the leagues, you might as well just cancel the Champions League as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? How do, you, how do you have one team going in with no games, another team going in, you know, like, for example, Bayern Munich, going back into potentially into the Champions League, already having their domestic league started, but other teams, i.e. Liverpool, haven't. It's like, it just doesn't make any, any yeah. logical sense. It's just, and, and, and don't forget, PSG are you know, in the league that apparently means they can't compete in Europe because they're playing farmers every week, quote unquote. Yeah. So playing a few farmers in Dubai is going to change that? Like, it's just not, is it? You know, they would need top level friendlies to get themselves anywhere near. And and we're talking about match winning players. I mean, Mbappe, Neymar, we're talking about players who can win games on their own. If they're not at their peak condition, then PSG might as well just not bother for me. Like, it's it's not they're, yeah. they're not going to have that that advantage with those supreme A class players if they're not. Is it, and it's not about being fit. They're obviously physically fit, but they're not match fit. They're not. They're not ready to go. You wouldn't get the Mbappe and Neymar that we know right now. You just wouldn't. Um, same with same with someone. Leon, yeah, with Hussein Awad, Dembele, Tussard. Yeah, Tussard, because Tussard is someone who you know finally has decided to show up in big games and you know yeah. score this you know key goals i mean now we have he's someone you you would want to rely on for the return games but yeah. you don't know what condition he is in Josemar, dembele you know all these key players that were so heavily relied on yeah and you know people seem to forget that there is the ladies as well yeah what happens with leon we're about to go the Leon ladies were about to hunt for their seventh consecutive Champions League title. They yeah. were just crowned, you know, league titles, but still they would want to go further in the Champions League. Ada Higabat is fighting back from her injury to come back to the Champions League. Yeah. I mean, where do you go there? So I think that it's important to bring in both uh, the women and the men that they're both going through the same uh, issue, I think. Um, just so we don't exclude anyone. Um uh, <laughs> But it's very difficult. I mean, I don't see how uh, Leon or PSG will recover uh, from this. I think that they might be smacked mm-hmm. left and right because this will be such a blow for them going into this tournament with no playing time. They, as you said, Mbappe's not going to be match fit or Neymar or someone like Di Maria or Cavani. Mm-hmm. Like, so what do you do then? Yeah, it would make sense to just. Would you cancel it? I mean, what if Leon beats Juventus in their second legs, goes on to win the Champions League, and then secures it? You know, gets a spot for next season. You don't know. It's yeah. just like whatever you do, it someone will be you know punished by yeah. that decision. Yeah, it's that it's that it's that fear of the unknown, isn't it? And then there's the the massive TV deal that Leon signed. Um, that was supposed to come into effect. Who, what you wonder how that's going to change um, in a league that already struggled to compete financially with other leagues. Suddenly now yeah. there's a there's you know that that deal. I presume that deal will stay in place, but at a reduced rate. Or certainly the the, the clubs are not going to get the money they would have got initially from it because the games are not happening. So that's so that's another thing to to take into consideration. Um, and and what what is the the current um, lockdown situation in terms of Italy and France um, from a public perspective, are they, are they, is it still the case that that the, the lockdowns are in place for both? 
yeah, I believe there are. I think that there, in Italy, you were allowed to start, you know, going out to jog and, you know, uh, go into the parks and play with the kids. As the rule that one family member is allowed to go to the store, I think is still in place. Um, I don't think the lockdown has been lifted in France yet. I uh, There was talks about the schools opening up which they did, and then they closed down again after yeah, a week. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, I mean, in Norway, we started up, uh, we opened up the schools. Uh, it's gone well uh, so far. Uh, and according to our prime minister, everything should be back to normal within, I think, June 15th. Uh, that was the goal. Yeah. And we haven't seen any, you know, we haven't seen an increase in, you know, deaths or anything. Norway's only had 230 people die mm. which you know it's peanuts compared to you know if you look at that being the daily number for some you know countries where you have sweden who you could have 500 people die in one day yeah well the number was it, very different? was it very different in from scandinavian country to scandinavian country because like you say sweden essentially did things very differently so was it very different sort of norway sweden denmark because they're all very close together but did, did all countries deal with it in completely different ways even though they were on each other's doorsteps yeah well in norway always follows denmark so denmark decided to basically go on a full lockdown uh, and they shut down everything and then norway followed did the same sweden didn't they didn't shut down anything Mm. Uh, they continued as normal. Um, you know, they recommended that people can work from home. Those who can will do that. Uh, and those of, you know, high risk groups will also work from home. But schools have been open. Uh, restaurants have been open. So nothing has really been out of the ordinary, I would say. Uh, but then you look at Denmark, Finland, Sweden, uh, no, uh, sorry, Norway, who all went on full lockdowns to contain the virus while mm. Sweden didn't. So it's uh, it's surprising how, you know, uh, from all the countries in Scandinavia, one decided not to follow what everyone yeah. else. Yeah, it did, did strike me as slightly odd because you, you get these unusually do bind together as, as one. Um, ask, ask the organisers of Eurovision about that. Um, <laughs> just to, um, to, to sort of finish off, I wanted to get your thoughts on how things have been done um, and and the opinions from overseas. Obviously, for our, for our listeners that don't know, you're based in in Scandinavia, so you're based overseas. What's the view um, overseas about how the English game is being looked at, and how? Because obviously, we know that we all know the Premier League is the best league in the world, um, according to some. But um, it's certainly the one with the most glam and the most bits and the most money and, and certainly probably well, arguably anyway, has the most amount of, of a list players. How, how, how are we, and I say we in terms of England being viewed overseas and what's your kind of view on how, how in, in particular the Premier League, we don't really know about the championship and the EFL situation at the moment, but Premier League wise, how is it being viewed over there? And, and is there, is there a bit of a, an element of um, people overseas looking at the English going, look at those silly buggers? I think the if we look at it from the whole perspective, I think that people were like, okay, England or the UK are fucked because they <laughs> didn't do anything. They reacted too late. And, you know, there was always this talk about how you were going to become basically Italy 2.0 because... Mm how slow everything went on compared to how every other country in Europe reacted. There hasn't been so much focus on the sports aspects of it because a certain Norwegian striker is currently taking all the attention away from everything else, especially in Norway. All everyone is talking about is Holland, 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 blah, 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 blah. Basically, that's it. Literally, you, you don't hear anything else about any, you know, but about any other league because you know Bundesliga is the only active league so you can sort of be happy that Holland is taking all the attention so no one realizes just how um, I don't know dumb people are when it comes to wanting to start the season again I suppose I heard much about are you guys want do you guys want to start the league again 
I think the plan is we, we, the thing. The thing that the Premier League like to do is that they love a hashtag. So we had this sort of project restart. We had this, you know, play, work together to play together and all this crap. It feels, from a standpoint of like a, a, a sort of an English person supporting an English club, it feels like they're just waiting for the government over here to say, fine, go for it. That's what it feels like. And from our sort of perspective, or from, from most like-minded people, I think the concern that we have is that people are not going to respect the the social distancing element of the, of this. And it's all very well saying we'll play our game behind closed doors and we'll get the Premier League finished. English uh, supporting or English supporters as a whole have a great reputation and also have a really terrible reputation. The great reputation is, yes, we have great atmospheres and, you know, some really passionate supporting groups and some historic clubs and all that goes with it. But the idea that you wouldn't get, and, and we're not just picking on Liverpool here, but as an example, having them not having won the league in, in 25, 30 years, the idea that you wouldn't have mass gatherings of Liverpool fans if the league was concluded, it just to, to normal fans or to normal people with the brain is absurd because they would. And and there would be, I think, certain amount of gatherings and certain amount of pubs or uh, or restaurants or things, places like that, that that maybe aren't opened but are opened, if you know what I mean. You know, things going on quietly behind closed doors. And that's why I feel like Germany is a bad example to use because it, a lot of the English game, I think, is sitting back and going, well, let's see what Germany do. German supporters and, and football fans, on the whole, are quite well-behaved and, and are quite sensible fans. They're very passionate, but they adhere to rules um, and they're respectful of other countries. I don't think English fans are particularly that way. Um, we're very tribal here and we've got a lot of very, I've got to be careful what I say here, but I think you can kind of read into where I'm going with this. You know, some of our fans are not the brightest and are very much attached to their club. And it's like, well, you, you've seen what's gone on with lockdown in the UK. The minute our prime minister, God bless his socks, said, well done, everybody. You've done a fantastic job. When really we did a fantastic job for about three weeks and then people got bored and they slowly started to do what they wanted to do. And that seeped into football. Premier League is back, or the minute that there's announcement of plans for the Premier League to be back, I think the general British public or the English public will just assume, okay, then we'll carry on. And I think I think there'll be a call for demand for football football fans to go back. And English supporters don't do very well when they're told no. So you know, can you can you imagine the situation of fans gathering outside grounds? I definitely can. So I mean, I just. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit biased because I'm not a big fan of, of English culture and the way that we behave ourselves here or don't behave ourselves, but I just can't see it ending well. And the fact we've had six positive tests and the fact that some of our players, like you said, Troy Deeney, Raheem Sterling, Danny Rose is quite brutal in his assessment of English football coming back. I'm not sure players are particularly comfortable with it. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know which, which way it's going to go. If you have to put money on it, do you think the Premier League gets finished or do you think they, they restart it and then it all comes crashing down again? I think you would probably be dumb enough to restart it. No <laughs> offence. I genuinely think so. That because there's such a huge pressure on the Premier League compared to probably other leagues, I think people from above would feel that, OK, we have to restart it. We have to do it for the people. We have to do it for morale. Now look at the bigger picture and be like, we should be the ones that we say, no, we shut it down. We'll start up when it's safe again, period. But I think that money comes into play. And I think that pressures politics a lot. It's a big sum of everything that comes in. And I think that the UK would be dumb enough to be like, go ahead, restart it without fans. But you would probably still have 60,000 people outside the stadium cheering you on i don't know it's not an easy thing to do it's such a hard one to judge isn't it because like you say there's just so little coming out at the moment um i do feel like the the easing lockdown in the uk is very much a test how people are going to be um and so far based upon where i live and speaking to people like josh and um and, and john about where they live it strikes me that most people are not necessarily being sensible um, you know, a little bit of sunshine and the UK goes, hey, everything's back to normal. Let's crack on. And, you know, I think I honestly think if shops were open as normal now, I think people would be would be out shopping normally. I think that I think the crowd, you know, where I live, I live on a main road. 
it, it was quiet for weeks. It's now back to a, a regular stream of cars. I appreciate some people are going back to work and they've been told to do so, but I just I, I don't think England will be patient enough to wait for what is what they've been told to wait for, um, and it and it will come down to said money. Um, and the TV deal, that's the big thing. I think these Premier League clubs, you know, <laughs> didn't even want to give up wages, let alone a TV deal. There's so much riding on it. So that's, unfortunately, the where we are. I think I think it will inevitably leave money money dictating the, the case. But hey-ho, it is what it is. Just before we finish, um, if you were to put sort of your, your hat on in terms of the, particularly the Italian game, um, Soria finishing and resuming again for next season what's what do you what do you sort of feel like the what do you feel much like we just did on the english game what do you think will happen with Serie now do you do you do you get the feeling that there'll be like a shortened and or will they play out the remainder of the games i think it will be decided on whether how it will go down in league one i think that other leagues are following now will it come anything of the you know the lawsuits or will it just you know be swept under the rug and it will be decided that this is it this is how we uh, we want it to be with promotions, relegations. And when they see how they react, I think that the other leagues are going to just follow and be like, okay, we'll cancel ours as well. The league will stand as it is uh, with promotions and relegations. I think probably other leagues will be smart enough to suggest that we have a playoff, as you touched upon earlier, that probably have, you know, a two-legged playoff for first, second, and third in you know, in the Premier League case, you would probably have five because mm. of City. Yeah. Uh, and that would be the thing that makes most sense, I suppose. I think it's a domino effect of who comes in first to cancel. Will, you know, La Liga be like, okay, we'll cancel, re- resume, and then start over from August? Or it's very difficult to know what how the leagues are thinking. I think a lot are looking at Germany, how they're doing it, and also at France. So yeah. it's a bit bit of a mixture of both yeah. how will but then again you can't compare it to germany because germany are just so miles ahead of everything they do they're such a smart and developed country yeah. compared to literally everyone else so it's so difficult to know what to do no worries and uh, of course we will be back very soon as I say with another podcast from home of course they're all from home we're not lying uh but uh, until then uh, keep your beard strong and your glasses trendy Tune to the Thought Hit podcast, and we'll speak to you very soon. Bye bye.